Hey guys, it's Mina. Before we get started today, wanted to remind you to check out Swagoo and Perk, led, of course, by its namesake hosts, Marcus Spears, Swagoo, and Kendrick Perkins. New episodes every Tuesday morning, bringing listeners the latest NBA and NFL news, as well as a look inside their lives and career journeys with can't miss conversations. You guys know how much I love Swagoo. It's an incredible podcast. Give it a listen wherever you get pods, and they're also available on ESPN's YouTube page. Welcome back to the Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast and one of the hosts thinks he's the third Diggs brother, because that's what he did to our backyard. That's Lenny. I'm Mina Kimes. Uh, and I am joined today by one of our top contributors, uh, not keeping track, but I think you might be careening towards number one, although Go Jr. did make an appearance last week. Field Yates, bud, welcome back to the show. It's good to be on. Uh, I am always amazed by how you come up with the open, and I would say that Lenny is a bad boy for digging, but he's actually a very good boy. And while I'm sorry about the effort you have to put into getting your backyard taken care of, um, it was probably worth it. And I feel like Lenny was probably somehow cute while doing it. <laughs> or maybe he's trying to get mom uh, some kind of yard sponsorship or something like seeds or Ooh. grass. I don't know. Just, you know, he's always thinking two steps ahead. Um, before we get started, sorry about this. A little late. I was feeling a little bit under the weather yesterday. Hopefully we make it up to you with a very good, very fun podcast um, we are doing something that I've been doing now for, I think, about four years, although it took break last year, which is the annual quarterback draft, um, just to lay some ground rules for those who have forgotten. Although, you know what? I actually feel it. I think my ground rules have probably changed every year because I'm just like my point system for the team draft. Um, so Field and I are going to take turns picking the quarterback we would want if we were starting a team from scratch for the next three years. So starting from scratch being the operative phrase because situation is irrelevant. Um, you know, like you, you and I talked before, I, you brought up the example of like, am I considering Justin Fields in Chicago? No, we're not considering the uh, unfortunate wide receiver group he has in Chicago. We are considering just Justin Fields and what we've seen from him. Same applies to every quarterback. Which makes things a little bit tricky because it'd be a lot easier if you are ranking them with their surroundings, totally, right? Because yeah. there are some young quarterbacks, especially that have, you know, very big question marks surrounding them, not just Justin Fields. You can go down the list. I mean, we don't even know if Trey Lance is starting for his own team this year as of the recording of this podcast. And Mina, I, I do want to say just quickly, I know it's your show, but <laughs> two things is that sometimes the margins are extremely narrow and like I'm choosing a player over another almost by the flip of a coin. Yes. And second of all, this list is going to look dramatically different in one year. I am acknowledging that quarterback play, really play across all positions, changes dramatically from one year to the next because there's a player that's going to be going extremely early, if not first overall, in this exercise, Ooh. Mina, who a few years ago, people were willing to call him a potential bust. Wow. They were wondering whether they had gotten their pre-draft evaluation correct or not. So just be reminded that... If you're bummed that your quarterback goes a little bit later in this year's festivities, channel that energy and revisit <laughs> us a year from now. And maybe that player has climbed all the way into the well, top 10 or something. I think you just tipped your hand uh, for your first pick. Um, a couple other things I should mention uh, just looking at this list, because there is obviously uncertainty about who's starting at various places. So we are going to go with Trey Lance for San Francisco. Um, and then Kenny, we're going to go with Kenny Pickett for Pittsburgh, just because I feel like at some point this season, if not from day one, he's going to start, right? 
that's actually the only rookie quarterback from this class we'll be including. Um, and then let me see if there are any other uncertain quarterback positions. Um, we're going to leave that out. That seems Desha- to be like the only two. Yeah. Well, also, actually, no, we're going to leave out Deshaun Watson, um, whose status yep. as a player remains completely unclear. All of that said, by the way, I did just switch microphones uh, 15 seconds ago because I noticed mine wasn't connected. We uh, let you behind the curtain at the Munich Time show featuring Lenny, um, if in case you were wondering. Okay. Field does get the first pick. I, well, I'm going to let you just say it because uh, you kind of went down that road. And uh, yeah, I, I go ahead, Field. And Dan, by the way, Dan, are you keeping track of our quarterbacks? Yeah, I will now. Okay. Okay, they're being tracked. I've got my own list here to track as well, so hopefully it'll stay updated and I don't accidentally pick someone you have already selected, Mina. But I'm going to start with Josh Allen. Um, I think there might be like a little bit of sticker shock when you first hear that. Um, are you saying that because you wanted him to or because you're stunned? No, because it's spicy. I know. Right now. And I, but, but I'm not so sure it is, Mina. I know that there was a bit of a lull for the Bills as a team in the middle of last season, maybe like 60 to 65% of the way into the regular season. They lost, I think it was three or four straight games, including that overtime game against the Buccaneers. But they came back from a massive deficit. And if you look forward from there, Josh Allen entered a stratosphere that I'm not sure we've seen him ever play at for a sustained period of time. He had one sort of clumsy game against Atlanta, but just the physical capabilities as a thrower and obviously as a runner as well, Mina, make him... I would argue right now is difficult to defend as a quarterback as anybody in the NFL. He's got age on his side. He's built to last. So impressed by the playoff performances, even in defeat. So give me Josh Allen one. So Josh Allen was my number two, to be clear. I'm not like saying this is that crazy. Um, Right now, Kansas City Chiefs fans are screaming at you. The betrayal. Um, Sure. God. So So you know what? Last week, Field, I did a Bills versus Chiefs question on my mailbag with Mike and I ended up going bills. And when I said quarterback, I said draw. So I know I just made a bunch of like sounds when you just, when you said that, but I'm not, obviously I don't disagree that much. Um, and Chiefs fans were very mad at me for saying draw. Here's the thing. (sighs) Okay. So with Patrick Mahomes, if you got to put them head to head, right? Like Patrick Mahomes, longer track record of being excellent comes into the NFL's rookie season. Excellent. Josh Allen, not the case. Josh Allen, though, you know, last couple of years, incredible. And then with Mahomes, you know, last year he did struggle. It was an up and down season. Although you noted this, Josh Allen was not perfect all season. I mean, you mentioned the Falcons game. I kind of went back. I was trying to remember. There were a few games. I mean, of course, the Jags game, right? Um, but, you know, ultimately they both culminated with this like impeccable quarterbacking performance in the playoffs. Then Patrick Mahomes lays a big egg. Um, I also think they both have styles, bodies, whatever that will age well. So, you know, I, I, I'm, I don't think either one of them has a significant edge in that regard. Josh, Patrick Mahomes is 26. Josh Allen's 24. You said 25, 24. Yep. Okay. I'm still going to go with Mahomes just because of the longer track record. It's very close right now. It's very close based on what we saw at the end of last season. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I think we're in for like a huge bounce back year for Mahomes. He's just been too good too long. And, you know, I, and Josh Allen has improved his game in so many ways. The accuracy, um, you know, especially at the short and intermediate levels has been really impressive. But I think a lot of Patrick Mahomes' struggles field were mental 
And that's why I feel like he's going to come back and be the, you know, world's destroying all galaxy quarterback we're used to seeing. Yeah, so I try to get ahead of this a little bit by noting when when I was giving those couple of caveats <laughs> at the beginning of the exercise, saying like some yeah. of these are the narrowest of margins. So narrow. This was an example I had in mind specifically. So I have no issue with it. You could have flipped a coin if it landed on Mahomes and be extremely content. I just think the rushing side of Josh Allen, and maybe Fair. that mitigated with a new play caller in town. But he, yeah. I mean, if, if he's a running back on a short yardage play, I think he's the best in the NFL. And certainly as a thrower, he's incredibly gifted. Should I move on to number three? Yeah, move on to number three. Uh, so, I, I, by the way, I feel like we ha- there was some pretty clear tiers, and I think you and I both fourteen is where we actually both agreed exactly fourteen is where when things get haywired. But um, yeah, but this is a two man tier to begin. Yeah, that was a two man tier. Now we're in what I would say is like the next like. Okay, well, let me give me your pick. I feel like I know what it is. Yeah, young versus old, right? So uh, my third pick is Justin Herbert here, and yeah. I could hear very strong arguments for others. Uh, so I'll just make it quick because, again, I don't think we need to go, you know, Justin Herbert versus Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers versus whoever else, right? Like that's probably going to be an exercise in a bit of futility because you could make extremely strong arguments one way or another. But I would just say that Justin Herbert had some games last year. And I know that this is not about the surroundings, but there were games in which he kept the Chargers alive in spite of the pieces around him, not because of the pieces around him. I know that they lost that game in week 18 against the Raiders, but I've never seen a quarterback sort of will his team in gotta have it situations like Justin Herbert did. And I know that part of the reason why they were constantly in fourth down situations is because Justin Herbert was not connecting on throws, but they were playing with a turnstile right tackle against a good, I mean, a great Max Crosby led pass rush for the Raiders. Justin Herbert, incredible arm strength, great anticipation. I, I would say very fairly that the big question mark that I want to see him answer this year is better production against elite defenses and in games that are going to matter more because I do think they're going to be playing more games that matter more. So in that playoff, so so I do this um, segment on SportsCenter called Kimes Dimes, and we did like an end of the year. Okay, pick all your favorite Kimes Dimes throughout the season. And I want to say like three out of five were Justin Herbert and maybe two of those yeah. three were from that final game. He made sure. some of the wildest throws off platform, just threading the needle like the um, strawberry through the battleship type throws. Like I, I just, I can see them so vividly in my mind, and they blew it, blew my mind. Um, I, I, so yes, and I, I think with Herbert, um, all the all the talent in the world, I think he has the maybe the most upside if we're in this tier of any of the next tier of the quarterbacks because of that physical talent and also his intelligence. I think at times, sometimes there's a little bit scattershot accuracy. It's very, it's not a significant issue at all, but it stands in stark contrast, not stark contrast, but we're, we're talking about mild, <laughs> tiny bit of contrast to the next guy. I feel like this is a two man tier as well. Phil, do you agree? Okay. With- uh, I would agree as well. So I'm assuming I know where you're going with pick four, but I'll let you have the floor. Yes, Kirk Cousins. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Joe Burrow at four. <laughs> um, no, uh, yeah. I mean, we. I feel like in, we did a million like Herbert or Burrow, uh, like first take debates, and like it's so close, it's so stupid. Yeah. Um, they're different quarterbacks, though, right? I mean, Justin Herbert is more. You can use him more on the designed runs, but then Joe Burrow, I would say, has that incredible pocket movement and ability to elude pressure. Although Justin Herbert is extremely good at eluding pressure as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, just 
you can look at every statistic from last season, the advanced, the non-advanced CPOE, QBR, whatever. He's Joe Burrow finished near the top in all of them because he was A, extraordinarily accurate, which of course has always been his calling card, and B, very, very good against the Blitz. Um, you know, like by the end, when we were kind of looking at all the matchups in the postseason, he was in that tier of like, oh, this is a quarterback you can't blitz, right? Like along with Matthew Stafford. Uh, and yeah, I think any team would be lucky to have either of those two youngsters. Uh, not to state that he was the only reason why they rose last year. But again, the premise of this exercise is if you're building from scratch for the past three years, the Bengals, when they acquired Joe Burrow, had the worst record in the NFL. It's not quite scratch, but it's pretty close to it, right? So there's already proof of concept already with Joe Burrow, if you will. And Mina, at pick five, my third pick, the revenge tour is here. And this is one of those that, again, three years I don't know if this guy's going to be playing football in three months based how up this offseason has gone, but I'm going with Tom Brady here because mm. while three years might be, I mean, it would, it's already unprecedented what he's doing. He would be 47 in that third season. He'll be 45 to begin this year. It certainly seems like he is locked in for at least 2022. The door does not appear to be closed on 2023. The question might just be where he's playing in 2023. We'll address that down the line, but this is pretty simple. I don't need to go through Tom Brady's resume or strengths or credentials. Uh, just I would just challenge anybody that, you know, if you're considering the age, like just for a second, if you did not know how old Tom Brady was last year, what would you have thought? The answer is you would not have assigned any age. The guy led the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns. So uh, Brady at five to me, if people have an issue with it, it's probably more personal than it has anything to do with Brady's skill set. Oh, I'll, I'll push back a little bit. I, I think if there's an issue with it, it is the fear of the cliff. And Tom Brady, as you've correctly said, has continued to defy that. By the way, has bounced back from seeming cliffs, not once, but twice over the course of his career now, right? Going back yeah. to the Kansas City game, whatever. And I would, I, I, I'm totally with you on taking Brady here. But like it, you know, it, it, at this point, he is defying every historical precedent we know about what NFL quarterbacks are capable of. Like I was just saying, yeah. um, you know, with the uh, Drew Brees kind of, I don't know if it was news or whatever, but he put out a tweet saying like, oh, I might work at NBC, I might go back to football. And I feel like there was a, not a lot. So I'm not trying to like straw menace, but there's a little bit of speculation. Oh, might he come back to football? No. Guys, did you watch Drew Brees in his final year? No, he's not coming back. Uh, you know, it, it was Roethlisberger because that's what happens to old quarterbacks. It's not his fault. It's not Roethlisberger's fault. Brady is the anomaly. And I think the the only thing is like, okay, it's like, wh at what point is this going to go off the tracks? I think you're correct in saying we've seen enough to not bet on that. I do think if we were doing like four years or five years instead of three, it might be interesting. I don't know, but I'm with you on this. It looks like we're in another two-man tier, by the way. <laughs> we are. And I, so, yeah, I'll let you take it away here, but I believe we are. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the other oldster, Aaron Rodgers. He's yeah. not, not as old as Brady. And, and three years is perfect for him, I think, by the way. Um, yeah. You know, neck and neck with Tom Brady last year. I thought a little bit of a fall off from the prior season, but, you know, for complicated reasons. I think when you watch Rodgers, like, Every, he still makes the insane throws. He's still really decently good on the move. Uh, the only issue is the same one. Actually, I would say a tribute to Brady as well, which is when he is actually pressured, the production falls off pretty hard. Um, 
And so I think that would be my only concern about taking either of them candidly because we're doing this in a vacuum. Like in like in real life, both these quarterbacks play behind very good offensive lines field, which I think is mm-hmm. an underrated part of their longevity. But you and I are building a team from scratch. So if we're like, ah, what if we have a league average offensive line? Might be a little bit hesitant about taking Rodgers or even Brady, but I'm going to go ahead and take uh, 12. Yeah, I'm going to go at seven with a player who's the offensive line. It may not matter quite as much it's because he's the best athlete I've ever seen at the position. That's Lamar Jackson at seven overall, my fourth pick. Um, and it's, it seems like we're in pretty close to lockstep here for the most part. So it might get think, spicier once we get Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's going to take a turn after this pick because okay. I think okay. next, so, the next group is where it's kind of a little bit around all over the place. I agree. So Lamar at seven, just so good, so talented, so dynamic, unbelievable with his legs. You know, with the arm, you know, like I think that um, – we probably properly properly value the accuracy issues he has at times, while also properly like overlook some of the elite throws that he can make down the field specifically at other times. Right? Like I feel like when I, I hear a lot of Lamar misses too many layups, which I would agree with at times, and I also hear that Lam- no one talks enough about Lamar's elite arm talent down the field or, or, or any, any any number of throws. I also agree with that. So. Um, listen, if he was a more surgical passer on a consistent basis, then he might be number one on this list. But while he has had a year in which he led the NFL in passing touchdowns when he won the MVP unanimously, um, he's got to have a bounce back year, even prior to the injuries last year, was not the same level of player. But we all love Lamar Jackson. And we all know that he was in an absolutely horrible situation last year, right? Yes. I mean, just yep. nightmare, nightmare. I've talked about this endlessly. Nightmare season for the Ravens. I think an underrated aspect of the nightmare has been the dissolution of the offensive line, which, of course, they've focused a lot of energy on rebuilding. Um, and, yeah, like if you go back to that, you know, the the early, the 2019 season, 2020, rather, um, you know, he was incredible from the pocket. Like all, you know, he was making yeah. an amazing throw. Like we've seen what he is capable of as a passer. And I think, you know, when you go to last year where it's like, Oh, he struggled so much against the blitz. He's taking a lot of sacks. It was pretty evident to me that he was simply trying to be a hero. You know what I mean? And, and overcome like everything that was around him. Um, but we've seen the high level traits just, uh, you know, at every step of the way, I think like the only thing people might object to with Lamar at seven is like, Oh, what if he gets hurt? But like, you know, he hasn't, suffered a lot like I, I, I like he's been relatively healthy aside from some stuff that I, I actually don't think really has to do with his mobility which is a common trope so I, I like Lamar there a lot okay we're at eight here's where it gets weird yeah let's hear it eight through ten I've got four that I think could be in any order so do I I am going this is I'm gonna get spicier I'm going to go with Dak Prescott here. Okay. So that's another, actually think, not, not too far from where I am. Yep. There's another guy I think that maybe you have ahead of him or a couple, but... Um, I had a 10. We're not that far off. Yeah. So th- this 8 to 10, I think we have all the same guys in 8 to 10 if I'm getting, but we'll see. Um, I just can't get his first half performance last season out of my head before everything went to hell after the injury, the calf injury. I mean, and he, by the way, Field, even with you know, what happened at the end when he came back from the injury and really struggled, he still finished first in QBR and passer rating when pressured and had the lowest interception rate because he was so good at the beginning of the season. I think he's one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, And I think he, again, when he is healthy and performing at a high level, can do everything. 
Now there's been a touch inconsistency over the years, but I just think, again, going to the physical and mental tools, it's hard for me not to take him. By the way, he is at the front end of when these quarterback extensions started to really kick into another level. He just finished the first year of a four-year extension at $35 million per year. He's quickly become a bargain if you look at the marketplace right totally, now, which I know that's totally. the point of this argue, uh, this, this, this exercise. But um, I don't ever want to hear about Dak not being worth it. Or I'm telling you, if Dak were to redo that deal right now, the number would begin with a four. It would not be mm-hmm. $35 million. That's a great point. Uh, so my number eight, and I guess number nine in this exercise is Matthew Stafford. Uh, coming off of a yeah. year, of course. Yeah, I figure probably in the same tier as where you had him as well. Um, you know, I don't know that Matthew. Sta- I don't. I don't know that I learned a ton from Matthew Stafford last year because I think we all felt as though with better circumstances, Matthew Stafford had what it took to win big. Um, I thought he was solid during the postseason. I thought he was, you know, very solid during the postseason. I didn't think it was an all-time playoff effort for Matthew Stafford. I thought he was really good, though. And obviously, there were a couple of notable moments that will stick in our minds forever: the no-look throw and the game-winning drive. Um, but you know, incredible accuracy. The guy's got good functional mobility. Uh, has held up well. You know, obviously, is is consistently dealing with pain, but rarely misses extended periods of time. So, give me Matthew Stafford right here as a player that I think uh, has at least. I would think that the Rams feel this way as well. Like much more like six or seven good years left in him potentially, mm-hmm. as opposed to just three. So I had him at nine, actually. Um, so we're right think- there. Yeah, this is the tier where I think that all these guys are really, really, really good. But then you can, act like, I would say, pose legitimate questions. You know what I mean about these guys? There's a reason why we, we had a the same exact same top seven. Um, yeah. With Stafford, it's like, okay, if I think about the playoffs and really what you saw at the very end from week 17 or 18, probably on, amazing. But I also have these memories of the boneheaded interceptions and the ups and downs during the regular season. Now, again, I, I actually mean, think the ability to turn it up at the end is in a, you, like all games are not created equal. You know what I mean? Like, so you do have to consider how amazing he was down the stretch. Um, yeah. But, but again, like physical tools, excellent can make all the throws. Clearly the only question I have is just the turnovers. Fair. Yeah, by the way, that uh, that was a Jaquasi Tart who dropped the interception uh, in the NFC yeah. Championship game that, you know, if he uh, makes that play, that's it was just a fa- that, that was a, a pop fly to the center fielder that he just dude. he just whiffed on it. That's right, like one of the, those moments. moments. Like we're going to have a 30 for 30 on that because that completely turns. You know what I mean? Like that that yeah, that drop totally. like changes Matthew Stafford's legacy as a player. It's unbelievable. For forever. forever. Okay. So I'm at 10 and I, this is where I'm going to take Russell Wilson. Yeah, if we have the same top 10 then. Okay, so I have some... Okay, so <sighs> Russell Wilson, when he's <laughs> playing well, should probably be higher than 10. I would say, like, think about the last four years of Russell Wilson. When he has played at his best, he is one of the best playmakers of football. Accuracy to all three levels of the field, amazing. Um, you know, the competitiveness, all of it. However, I have talked about this a bit, I have some concerns about what we've seen, I would say, one and a half seasons last. I know he had the um, thumb injury, but that didn't look like the problem for me on some of the stuff. Um, and I think I actually have concern about him aging because of how much of his game is dependent on elusiveness. Talked about this a lot. So I'm still going to ride with him here, but for me, 
the aging curve is something that could potentially hit him. Yeah, and and I, I, I kind of go both ways because like you're absolutely right. There were some concerning signs. I also feel like, and I think this is actually sort of unfair to Seahawks fans because I think it's one of the realities is that <laughs> last year I can attribute to like I think Russ was just just disappointed and unhappy and sort of clamoring yeah. for that yeah. change of scenery. And he should have asked for that trade last year. He should not have half measured it by naming the teams he would be okay with a trade to. I think it's going to be reinvigorated. I think we're going to hear a lot of the same rhetoric we, we already have this offseason surrounding. Let's ride. Yeah, let's ride. And, you know, Russ first one in, last one out, new energy. Uh-huh. And you know, never seen anything like it before, right? And Well, like perform. And that, that'll be the stuff that really matters here. So um, that to me is what I think matters most with Russ. But I, I mean – at his very best, he is still absolutely incredible in, in sort of vintage moments. The question mm-hmm. is just whether last year was – we really can bake it uh, or boil it down to, I should say, general unhappiness or if it was a regressing player who got injured for the first time and that had a more dramatic impact on him than it would have somebody else. So who you got at 11? Number 11 for me. And I think we're kind of, it sounds like we're, we're pretty close here so far. Uh, Kyler Murray, number 11. Thanks. And I think this is a really fascinating conversation in a lot of ways, potentially, because in each of his NFL seasons so far, and certainly last year was maybe the most glaring example, Kyler Murray has slowed down. He's hit a wall. He's looked like an NBA player in the fourth quarter where he looks, you know, I mean, I feel like this is what we see all the time now in the NBA playoffs because benches get so much more narrow that, you know, uh, there are some guys that are cyborgs and just keep it going all game, right? But fourth quarter hits and you're in like minute 37 to 42 and it's like, wow, uh, it's hard to keep bringing it. Kyler Murray has slowed down, whether you want to attribute that to him or perhaps the offensive system around him. But Kyler Murray still in terms of value with his legs is, I mean, he's not that far behind Lamar Jackson in my estimation. He is probably number two in terms of quarterbacks with rushing ability when you factor in volume. Josh Allen's unbelievable as well with the Bills a little bit less reliant upon him in terms of overall value, I would think. Uh, so Kyler Murray comes in number 11 for me, Mina. Uh, there are some sort of periods of malaise that have me a little bit concerned. And, um, you know, candidly, like this, like there are times in which, I mean, I'll just, I'll just I'm just going to point to the report, right? Like if that report uh, from Mort, which came out on Super Bowl Sunday, is how many people feel about Kyler Murray. Well, then, like, is that something you want in your quarterback for the next three years, right? They talk about immaturity and things like that. And I know that you don't have to be a Boy Scout to be an NFL player at a high level, but a quarterback, you know, I hate to use too many cliches here, but you're kind of the thermostat, right? Like, if mm. you're bought in and you're dialed in, then the rest of the room's likely going to follow you. Um, and conversely, if you're not, uh, then it's going to be hard for a team to rally around you in the way that I think with there's art and Russell Wilson, right? He's a good example of a quarterback who kind of sets that 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 tempo. Joe Burrow, I think, did it last year for the Bengals. Like you can be the leader, not just by your play, but also your approach. Yeah, so I also have Kyler Murray at eleven. Um and this is like a tough one. I mean, it's kind of like the Dak or what or even Mahomes to a lesser degree where like our last memory of him is so bad. I think it's coloring how incredible his season was in some ways, not you and you, but I'm just saying we, the universal we, um, you know, and, and by the way, that last performance, he deserves a lot of criticism and responsibility for that. I mean, so the pick six just completely imploded. That said, I tend to blame, I tend to place more blame on the offensive system and personnel for sort of the implosion uh, in, in the final weeks. And a stat that jumped out to me 
so something I cite sometimes is completion percentage over expectation, which is a next gen stat that looks at, okay, how many passes is the quarterback completing relative to what the average quarterback would complete in this scenario? So, you know, normal completion percentage, you can be very high, but maybe you're getting a lot of easy throws, right? Like, um, I don't know, Kyle Shanahan quarterbacks usually have that. So Kyler finished second behind Joe Burrow. Uh, and I just think that speaks to the degree of difficulty of the throws he was making. I mean, I think he's got one of the b- most beautiful deep throws in the NFL. And that's borne out, you know, at, by the statistics as well. Um, and then that coupled with the physical tools you mentioned, the mobility, all of that. I just think he's a guy I'd want to bet on here. And of course, he's very young. But, you know, everything you said is totally valid as well. Oh, we're chalk. Okay. Are we going to split here? I'm 12 and I am taking. I think, I, think I think we're good here. I think we're in the same spot. Derek Carr. <laughs> Derek Carr. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Derek wow. Carr. Wow. Okay. So Derek Carr. Um, yeah. He's just like, this is kind of where he is, right? 12. He's like the 12th yep. best quarterback in the NFL. Um, that obviously has the potential to go up this year with the addition of Devonte Adams and some of the improvements they've made. Josh McDaniels coming in as coordinator. I think, Derek Carr, um, you know, the the good things, The he's got a very pretty throw, a beautiful deep ball when he decides to throw it, um, functional mobility as well. It's kind of underrated, accurate quarterback. Uh, I think probably the negs are just like, uh, sometimes in like these bigger moments, occasional boneheaded decision, uh, and then kind of conservatism that rears its head. Uh, am I missing anything? No, I think I think that's totally fair. Yeah, and he's we need to remove um, from our vernacular like Derek Carr is underrated or underappreciated. No, he's not. He's appreciated properly. Twelve and a half million bucks a year, right? Yeah, yeah. Twelve is really good. He makes literally forty point five million dollars per year. Like that to me feels pretty awesome. Feels pretty appreciated. So um, Derek Carr is a rock solid player. I think he's appropriately slotted at number twelve. 13 maybe where we start to get a little bit funky here. I mean, I don't know. Maybe not. Um, maybe mm. it is 15, but I think 13 will be interesting. So I'll just get into it. I got Mac Jones here at 13. No, this uh, is where we fell apart. Okay, great. Okay. I love so this. So we've gone in different okay. directions here. Make, so, make the case. Yeah, Mac Jones, elite pocket mobility. Really, I mean, like can dance through the pocket. And for a player that obviously has limited athletic ability, uh, you need to be able to do that at an ex- exceptionally high level. Accuracy is sincere. It's legit. I understand that completion percentage is far from the only meaningful metric to describe a player's accuracy, but it certainly shined last year. Excellent leadership. Arm strength is not going to be Josh Allen level by any stretch, but I think that Mac Jones can clearly be the kind of quarterback that if you give him uh, consistency in system year over year, is going to be an assassin. He's going to be, I mean, not going to, I don't, I don't think we get the Joe Burrow leap this year. I think we see a pretty sizable leap. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the breakout players in the NFL this year. Oh. Um, so I, I I don't have Mac that far off. I want to be clear. Um, okay. But yeah. he was not in my top 14. Uh, okay. For me, I, I think I just kind of think, oh, there was like a maybe seven game stretch in the second half of the season where I was like, oh, like not really seeing – yeah. And, and like, again, he's a rookie and he certainly outperformed the other rookies. So I think that merits consideration, although he also probably benefited from a, you know, obviously better offensive line and such. But um, I want to see more from him in terms of beating man coverage, making some of those difficult throws and a little bit more in the way of arm strength 
before I'm ready to put him in the top half. But as you mentioned, rookie, another year coming. And I, he certainly out, um, surpassed my expectations in his first season. So don't hate the pick. Um, okay, so we're at 14, right, Dan? Yeah. 14? Right, okay. Feels always very conscientious. Okay, so there were two quarterbacks I was kind of deciding between here. I think you okay. can probably guess which ones. Yeah, I probably have. Well, whoever you don't guess is probably 15 for me. <sighs> so I'm going with Kirk Cousins here. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because he's a little bit younger than the other guy. Um I mean, year after year, right? It's it's the same. Kirk Cousins. Accurate. Good good versus the blitz. But actually, I would say last year he was better. I don't have the numbers for you, but it seemed like he was he handled pressure better last year than some previous years. Um can make all the throws. Always going to be, not always, but to me, a top half quarterback. That mm-hmm. said, it's the lack of playmaking, the lack of doing things out of structure that's so necessary in today's NFL that seems to keep him out of that top 10, despite the fact that he continually year after year finishes in the top 10 in statistical categories. You know, and, and I think we need, at least I feel this way, Mina, is that we tend to put too much weight into a few spectacular plays and too much weight into a few unspectacular plays every single year. Yeah. And candidly, Kirk Cousins' lowlights are about as low as they get in the NFL often, right? I mean, um, you know, stepping under center, except you're under the guard as opposed to the center, is the kind of thing that people <laughs> just go to. Like, how spacey is this guy? Or an interception. I mean, we'll talk about Carson Wentz at some point in this podcast, right? But like Carson Wentz last year in the game against the Jaguars where he's like shovel passing to a defensive player for a one-yard pick six. Like that kind of stuff carries more weight uh, than maybe it should. Maybe it shouldn't. Um, But that's why I think Kirk Cousins' rap is always going to be like solid, but can you trust this player implicitly? And I think the player that I I had him at 15, and it sounds like you did as well, I'm sorry, you have maybe had him at 14, but uh, I had him at 15 as Matt Ryan, yep. who I think you're referencing a little bit older than Kirk Cousins. Uh, really interesting to see what happens uh, this upcoming year for the first time playing in a team other than Atlanta. Uh, Matt Ryan played some really, really good football. We just didn't necessarily notice it at times last year because they were just a train wreck in so many ways offensively. I mean, limited in terms of all, basically every skill position except for tight end. But their prodigious tight end, who was 20 years old or 21 years old, Kyle Pitts, had one receiving touchdown. So uh, Matt Ryan, his apex has been exceptional. I'm a little bit fearful that Indianapolis has like sort of gone like three straight years of making an investment in a guy who's like at his best could lead you over the hump, but at his worst could kind of keep you right where you have been, which is like if you're in the playoffs, you're right in the doorstep of the playoffs as opposed to winning your division and perhaps competing for that first round by. Um, but I like Matt Ryan and I think that uh, he's been extremely durable. So I'm not concerned about three more years for him for a guy. I think I think just turned 36 years old like a week ago. Same. And, and the one thing I want to just add with Matt Ryan is like, I think arm strength is a question in terms of like the aging, but I he actually made some pretty nice teeth throws last year. Um, yeah. You know, it just, but that would be the thing I'd want to keep an eye on. Dome is always going to help him, right? He plays exactly. in the dome he has forever, and he's going to play at least. Let's see, Houston obviously has indoor ability, and then Tennessee is Nashville. That's a re- reasonable climate, and then Jacksonville. So he's going to play in a lot of favorable weather games. Part of the reason I love the signing for Indianapolis. All right, after the break, we're going to get to a lot more murkiness and in divisiveness since we uh, agreed a little bit too much in the first half. As you guys know. 
NFL teams can make mistakes when it comes to spending money. For example, cover your ears, Broncos fans. Russell Wilson has a $53 million cap hit this year. <laughs> but uh, unlike the uh, Walton family, I'm guessing people listening to this podcast don't have millions to spend. Maybe some of you do. I don't know. Get at me. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and they decided to do something better. They found their own way to make a beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. They have customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as $2, which is half of what you pay for big brands. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best does not mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com M-I-N-A. That's harrys.com Mina for a $3 trial set. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore his seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Okay, Field. I have the next pick. Here's the thing. Oh, okay. Can I ask one question? I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. This. Yeah. Would Mac Jones have been 15th for you if you hadn't take if I had taken him 13th? No. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to establish. <laughs> he would have been people. next, but I am still taking one of the rookies ahead of him, or the now the okay. second yeah. quarterbacks. I still believe in Trevor Lawrence. I had him at 16. He just okay. Then that's by the way. This is not all priors. Like, this isn't just he was the first-round pick. He was amazing in college. Although, for this exercise, I think athletic tools do matter. And, you know, his athletic tools are obviously superior. Um, he was bad last year. Yep. He flashed just enough to keep me believing. Mm-hmm. He, made, he made just enough of those special plays, the special throws, for me to say, all right, I'm going to take a bet on this guy. Three years, obviously a disaster situation last year in Jacksonville. So I'm going to ride with him here. I, I think he's appropriately ranked right in like the middle of the league. I mean, week 18 last year was sort of the vision going forward of what you want to see from Trevor Lawrence. Um, again, this is not about where you would take this quarterback in his current surroundings, yep. Mina. However, <laughs> although they did hire Doug Peterson and they obviously spent significantly his production mm-hmm. this year is going to play into the perception of Trevor Lawrence. So I will be curious just how much more legitimate Jacksonville is as an organization Mm -hmm. this year. Because if once again, the pieces around him sort of fail Trevor Lawrence, then it might alter the perception of him as this guy who was considered the best prospect to come into the draft at quarterback since Andrew Luck, which was, I think, nine years prior to Trevor Lawrence's Mm -hmm. entrance. So um, I was right there. I had him at 16. And God, it just gets weird. So I have zero clue if you and I are going to be in lockstep on 17 or not. Um, this player is hanging on by a thread. I am buying oh, into I my know it is. Ryer. I'm going Ryan Tannehill. And uh, it was so bad last year. Yeah. Yeah, it was really tough last year. It was not good. Um, and, and it was amazingly, this is a team who still had the number one seed in the AFC, a very good conference they did lose their first playoff game, and he had three interceptions. First play of the game, he threw a pick in the end zone. He threw a pick late in the game to seal the game for Cincinnati. 
So I'm trying to, as best I can, because there's been a couple of these players where we've said, like, hey, your lasting memory of this player or your most recent memory of this player can't totally influence how you feel about them. Uh, but I am bank. This is your one last chance here, Ryan Tannehill, to earn mm-hmm. your spot back into this tier somewhere between like 12 and 17. My one concern, I, I was thinking about taking Tannehill here. My one concern about him was not just obviously what we saw in that final game, but over the course of last season, there were like a few things that alarmed me at times when he played. Yeah. Especially one thing that really jumped out was the performance under pressure. Um, and then the amount of sacks he was taking field. I mean, he's always taken a fair amount of sacks, but yep. it felt like last year I was like, ah, like this is, this is kind of, this is not headed in the right direction for me. So, and, and obviously the organization, I think to some degree agrees, right. With based on some of the decisions they made and not just the drafting of Malik Willis. So I feel you on this because he's obviously a more proven quantity than all of the other second year guys. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just nervous about that. Okay. I'm at 17, right? 17? I've got an 18. Oh, 18. Thank you. I really can't keep track of stuff. Okay. So this is, (sighs) you're not, I don't know. I don't think you're going to agree with this. I'm taking fields here. We're doing the vacuum. Okay. We're doing the vacuum people. I have no issue with it. And I saw enough flashes out of him in terms of the special arm talent, the mobility um, that, make me think in my team, not Chicago, my team, I can turn Justin Fields into something. And, uh, oh, you know, I consider the college stuff as well, which matters. Ugh, th- this, that's the ultimate, like, we're not considering situation. Thing. Yeah, he's part of a six-player tier for me, Muna, right now that starts. Um, a theme of which I guess I'll, prob- I'll circle back to the theme once we're done, not to give it all away. But uh, Justin Fields, I had him at 21 on my list, but... This is one where the narrow the, the margin between twenty one and eighteen it might as well have been eighteen A B C and D if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm kind of um, with you. I'm a big believer. Uh, the unscripted plays are so significant for Justin Fields. I think the leadership's going to improve a lot this off season. I know people are all up in arms about the Bears wide receiver group and their offensive line. I will say that like part of the support of a player is not just the pieces around him on the field, but the coaches and the familiarity with the system and the scheme and marrying it up with what you do well. I think Justin Fields will improve because of that. Uh, but my player that I had atop this tier, and it's probably just because he's got a bit more proven performance, was Jalen Hurts. And yeah. this is the ultimate make-or-break year in so many ways for Jalen Hurts, not just because a quarterback is often evaluated after year three in the NFL for contract reasons. He's not a former uh, first-round pick, so he is extension eligible after this year. And just a year away from the franchise tag, if he plays really, really well, big thing with Jalen Hurts is that Philly, and again, this is not about a player's current situation, but we're going to learn so much about Jalen Hurts this year because it may not be perfect, but Philly fancies itself as ready to win and win big. Good pieces around him on offense, good offensive line, good running game, obviously an improved wide receiver group with A.J. Brown, and a defense that we think is going to be pretty improved as well with some defense, with some reinforcements in the draft, and then most recently James Bradbury. So I've got him 18. They're kind of opposite, right? Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields in a way. Because um, I was really trying to think like, okay, what is Jason? Jalen Hurts is in a great situation. What is it like if I just took him out? And I do think he's flashed enough to, um, he was saying flash. He's shown enough to merit a place in this group as well. I actually had him next. Things I liked that I saw out of him, improvement, the consistent improvement year to year in terms of the accuracy. Obviously the mobility is amazing and also important. 
completely changes what you can do on offense. Obviously, the numbers are totally different, make things easier for him. Another thing I liked is, um, you know, he, he didn't take as many sacks as I thought he would last year. I think he's uh, done a really good job, and that's not just bailing on pockets. I think he's done a good job of knowing, or a better job, rather, of knowing when to get rid of the ball and not make negative plays for the team. Still some question marks, I would say, about that accuracy and kind of the ability to throw with anticipation, but there's def- he's definitely shown enough, I think, to belong in this group. Yep. Okay. Oh, I don't like this section. Uh... Next three years. <laughs> I'm going to go Trey Lance here. I, I don't think you... I, I know that's... Adam is there as well, yep. Uh, he's just... He, I, we only saw him play for like a game. And, oh, I guess it was a game and a half, right? Whatever. Anyways. Yep. Did just enough to give me a taste in terms of making those throws that Jimmy Garoppolo can't throw. Problems with decision-making, pocket presence, but we just didn't see a lot. This is a purely tools-based pick for me. Uh, and also what you know we knew and heard about from him in college. I think... I think from a leadership perspective, based on everything I've heard, he also has that potential. So, F it. I'm rolling with Trey. Yeah, the hardest part for me, Mina, is that like there are signs that he's not ready from the 49ers' own actions. Right, I know. You wonder, like, am I betting too much on a guy that we're not even certain is ready to take over for his own team? I think the answer is he will end up taking over for his own team. But I'm using the pre-draft evaluation much more than I am the post-draft evaluation here for Trey Lance. Um, this is where it gets really tricky for the next couple, at least in my opinion. Uh, and this player is nothing, of, if, if not a hot button topic. I'm going to go with Tua, Tua Tonga Bailoa. Woo. Um, it's, and this is a make or break year for him, obviously, as well. I think the strengths for Tua is that, like, he's like the Dolphins actually did some useful things last year with like move the pocket throws, moving him just in general and sort of making it like a sort of an RPO ish offense. And that can help the numbers game dramatically for an offense. Um, the, the interceptions are dizzying. I, I, the, you can say, you can make whatever argument you want for him as a downfield thrower, because there are those that will point to like his completion percentage or something was high, which is the stat that I keep seeing in regards to Tyree kill. There's also the fact that uh, another stat that I saw going around recently, he has one 40-yard touchdown pass in his career. Odo Beckham Jr. has two, right? Which I get it. It's a cherry pick of the highest form. But still, it's it's instructive that like up to this point, the deep ball accuracy has not been, or the deep ball prof- proficiency has not been the great strength for uh, Tua. I think he's solid. You know, mobility is okay. It's not, you know, it's not a, he's not in that top tier, but certainly good enough Um to, to I would say, A, continue to utilize those RPOs that might have some quarterback run elements of them, and B, like to stress a defense if either they lose contain, don't sort of value their rush lanes, um, mm-hmm. or simply are slow. You know, the biggest concern for me was actually not the deep ball, but the boneheaded turnovers, Ridley. Um, even though we spent so much time talking about the deep ball or lack thereof, and of course, uh, a viral video made to the main character for several days. But, um, dude, I just want to see this guy throw fewer interceptions when he's pressured. Yeah. I want I want to see him handle pressure better, um, which is, I guess, something that, you know, coming out of Alabama, and we were going to talk about Zach Wilson, but, like, you know, at this point, he's played a lot of NFL football. So got to see a big improvement in that area. 
Um, at times, though, I think, you know, like, especially in, with, he's a very good RPO quarterback. He's good at decision making. He's uh, accurate to that part of the field. So, you know, this could be, he could take a big leap this year. But yeah, I think your pick of him here is about right. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking James Winston next. Oh, okay. I don't feel, I mean, I don't feel great. From this on out, I don't feel great about any of the picks. So, um, yep. Same. Uh, I just think, it's funny because I'm like, all my notes are like, uh, like I think last year, some of his um, accolades were a little bit overstated when you actually watched, you know, the 14 to three, 14 touchdowns to three interceptions thing gets brought up when you watched, he should have turned the ball over more. I was a little bit concerned about his ability to push the ball downfield, which is odd because he has a strong arm, but there's some accuracy issues. Uh, but I think like when you're considering the bulk of his work over the course of his career, he definitely belongs ahead of the rest of the quarterbacks on this list. Yeah, I have no issue with it. Uh, I know that last year the stats looked pretty favorable for James. I thought they were a bit misleading. You take away that, take off that first game against the Packers. I know that you can, hey, if you just take off every player's best game, it's going to make their numbers look worse. But that was a particularly absurd performance in week one against what ended up becoming a very good defense. <laughs> I like James. I, I, I just, you know, I mean, I think you and I want to see it consistently and we want to see it probably for like in a higher leverage moment right i mean we haven't seen Jameis play in a ton of big games in his career because the bucks were not very good when he was there mm. um next up and this i believe is pick 23 now um i'm going with zach wilson here's a really interesting one in my opinion he's my so, here. yeah uh, yeah so he can and I, so again season-long stats have to be careful with them i mentioned earlier the completion percentage not the end-all be-all but under 56% completion percentage, did not have a game with at least 300 passing yards last year, which people say, oh, you know, like, why does that matter? Well, like, we saw Mike White and Josh Johnson on that exact same team throw for at least 400 yards in a game. So, like, not even 300, but 400. And then I think the optimists have pointed out the last five games for Zach Wilson, how he did not throw an interception. I think it was like he and Aaron Rodgers is the only two. I'd also remind that in those five games, Zach Wilson averaged 159 passing yards, 0.6 passing touchdowns per game. He had, uh, and the Jets as a team averaged 18.6 points per game. So it wasn't like this was a five-game stretch in which he was lighting the world on fire. He was definitely better with his decision-making, but that's where it comes down to. But there's still a lot to like naturally, right? Like, we saw you and I both enjoyed watching him. He was a playmaker in college during his time at BYU, and yes, he had, you know, basically, uh, you know, the, the the best offensive line in the history of football playing in front of him. It felt like at times, but I think the deep ball accuracy can be better, and I think that our perception of him will change because it certainly looks like on paper this Jets offense has much more support this year, which I think will change our perception and allow Zach uh, Zach Wilson to really let the game slow down and mm. not force some of those bad decisions that really reared themselves early in the year. You just got to get the ball out quicker, man. That's right. Get out of it. Get out. Just get, yep. that, get and, that ball and out quicker. By the quicker. way, live to see another play. Nothing wrong with the sack on occasion. Yeah, exactly. No, but I had him right there too, just because of the traits and youth and all of that. Um, okay. I don't know if you're going to agree with me here, but for my next pick, I've got Daniel Jones. Ooh, so, wow. Way I know. I know. And I know I have like a reputation as being a Daniel Jones critic back to the draft, but like, He's been better than I thought. Um, you know, I he still struggles under pressure, 
first of all, I would say just his general pocket presence is still an issue. But he also has a very underrated deep ball. He's got good athleticism and great athleticism. Yeah. And, um, you know, at times like I'm actually like he'll make accurate throws over the middle of the field. I'm like, damn, that was a beautiful, beautiful pass. Um, Now, again, the the boneheaded, you're saying boneheaded. I need a better adjective. The um, derpy mistakes are ultimately if he doesn't cut that out, he's never going to be an NFL starter. Right. But uh, this is one where I think like, you know, obviously being put in a better position this year, this could be like the one where like, oh, snap. Okay. He's suddenly like 16, you know, or whatever. So yeah, I'm real. I'm, I'm going to go with Daniel here. Danny yeah, at this point of the draft. Yeah. We're just uh, I sort rolling of dice. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was less about like, there's going to be, there are going to be a few guys. I kind of know what I have with them. And so I don't, I don't see the, the, the variance for them is much narrower. Whereas the variance for Daniel Jones is quite high. And I'm not sure that the variance will, will see it necessarily with this next player on my board. But again, if we had him in different circumstances, who knows? Davis Mills did a lot with a little last year. I think objectively, there's a case for him as the second best rookie quarterback in terms of play last year. Uh, the Texans had extremely limited resources and not of their own fault. Again, Mina and I, the uh, we are sort of we're, we're on the ticket for the, the Houston Texans bandwagon driving uh, fan club here. I think we're we're both still impressed with how they've kind of gone about this rebuild, uh, but it's going to take some time here. And Davis Mills, I thought last year had some moments of real poise. Uh, he's got certainly has a strong arm. He he's not a particularly fleet of foot athlete, but I mean, I think the the closest comparison from last year's free class is obviously Mac Jones, the two guys who are going to operate from the pocket. But there was some really good last year from Davis Mills. I saw some fearlessness. I think he could be solid for them this year, and I think in a different circumstance would be even better. So I had just one guy ahead of Davis Mills. Um, okay. I am just going to take a shot in the dark on Kenny Pickett here. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I totally. Um, you know, I've talked about him a lot. <laughs> he's actually not that young. Is he, is he older than Davis Mills? He might be. I think he, um, he's, he's, he's going to be 24 soon. Yeah. So, you know, I've spent a lot of time talking about Kenny Pickett around the draft, what he's like in Pittsburgh, um, you know, my concerns about how, how, how long he holds onto the football and sort of the occasional accuracy issues up and down processing but um playmaking uh the willingness and ability to throw over the middle of the field um i think he's the kind of quarterback where like he has enough traits where you can really design a um workable nfl offense around him i think he landed in a decent spot by the way with you know matt canada and pittsburgh um, but you know, I, I, I didn't like adore him as a prospect, but I just think at this point we're like comparing him to guys we've already seen. So I'm like, eh, I'll just take the guy I haven't seen. Yeah. I'm with you there. And so for my next pick, Jared Goff is a player that I think in order for you to win, you're going to have to have like pretty much all the right pieces around him. I mean, win big, not win seven or eight or nine games. I mean, win like 12 or 13 and make a deep playoff push. And yet a team that had all the right pieces around him and made it to the Super Bowl, scored only three points, but they did make it to the Super Bowl. The first opportunity they had to make a notable upgrade, they did off of Jared Goff, of course, with the Rams. So I think I think he's at times underrated. He's not he's not quote unquote trash, which is one of those terms that he seems to be thrown around with Jared Goff too frequently. But I think he's sort of appropriately ranked right here is like your team is probably gonna have a decent offensive floor with functional skill guys around him, but I don't know that you're ever going to be this um, 
not, we're not going to recreate the greatest show on turf. This part of the draft is so dark. We're like, it could be functional. Um, I yeah. did like a really positive lion stake on NFL Live on Monday. And okay. the great Aaron Schatz, the football outsider, pointed out that actually the uh, Jared Goff was 20th in DVOA last year. Um, and, and, and you you know, as an uh, Eamon Ross St. Brown fantasy manager, um, I got to watch that sometimes. <laughs> and I was, yeah, totally. You know, he actually had a nice little connection with him. But yeah, it's all about the system around golf, which, you know, obviously been things for a while. All right. One, two, three, four more picks. <sighs> Field. I'm going to take Not ones pretty. here. I'm taking ones here. Is that terrible? No, I had him next as well. Yeah. Just showed enough last. I mean... The, the issue with him is, you know, well, I would say actually it's not just the interceptions and the like total brain farts. I do think there's up and down accuracy. Um, he was decent for the Colts for the book of last season. I just simply will not bet on that. I will not bet against the implosion, but I do think he's shown enough to position himself against the rest of the guys. Yeah, I'm with you. And, you know, there, there, there's. It always seems to be something with Carson Wentz. Maybe not this year, but it always seems to be something. I'm surprised Washington paid the premium they did to acquire him, even mm. if it was just a third round pick. Um, I've got pick 28. I'm going to go with Marcus Mariota here. I'm sort of a, I'm a sort of an apologist for Mariota. That being said, like the days of being a total apologist are somewhat over. If I'm not taking him until this lot of the draft, excellent athlete, um, inconsistent thrower. Health has been an issue, and um, yeah, I just I, I think that he's more of a quarterback that you're starting because you have to, not because you want to. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm not trying to be for these last ones. I know, it's like, just let's just roll through them. Right? I know, I, yeah. yeah. The, the I mean, Marcus Mariota had that great game with the Raiders, right? Or it wasn't a game where he came in a relief, and everyone was like, "Damn!" And then I think he threw an interception in overtime, but like you know, he can still scoot. Totally. Um, okay. I've got so Dan says I'm actually on pick thirty now. <laughs> so uh there's two more quarterbacks. You have two yes, more on your you've list? You've got okay. two, I've got one. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna take Drew Locke here. Right. So it's down to Drew Locke and Sam Darnold. Yep. Same. The I'm going with Locke, even though I obviously where we are, I'm not enthusiastic. Uh just on a bet that apparently things weren't great in Denver. In a couple of games, I think of the Chiefs game where I was like, dang, Drew Locke, wheels. Um, obviously, he's got arm strength. I have question marks about his decision-making, his accuracy, just about everything else. But uh, I do think that the traits and then the lack, like we, I've seen more out of Sam Darnold to make me go with Locke. I'm with you. I think that with Drew Locke, it's like maybe the the advantage he has over Sam Darnold is he's played less. Um, that being said, like – we're at 30 and pick 31 here. So I'm going, <laughs> I, I'm, I am maybe sickly or weirdly excited to watch Drew Locke play for your team. Because Seattle wanted him. Could be Gino. Could be Gino. Yeah. Could be Gino for all we know. Uh, I'm going to go with Sam Darnold at 31. And um, I am just going to say that the uh, Panthers series of decision-making surrounding quarterbacks over the past three years merits either a 30 for 30 or at least like a lengthy article on ESPN.com. Sounds like a 31 for 31. 31. <laughs> uh, but Field, I'm going to do dinks and dunks for myself because I know you got to go, but I have one quick question before I let you go. Okay. Um, do you think we see Matt Corral this year? 
I do. I certainly do. And I don't know how yeah. soon it will be, but Carolina is that team that I've just got earmarked as like anything's possible. There was some frustration uh, in Panthers fan uh, corners because they ranked last in the most recent ESPN power rankings. And I don't have them last myself because defensively, they're, I mean, they were excellent last year in some ways. They've got a really good group of pass rushers up front. Uh, they've got certainly plenty of depth in the cornerback, at the cornerback spot, the secondary. Um, but Mina, the quarterback play, so, so, so inconsistent. Uh, if the offensive line is improving is as good as I think it is, then I think this team will be more like a, I don't know, six or seven win team, but maybe not necessarily a nine or 10 win team, even in a depleted NFC. All right, Field, the great Field Yates. You can catch him a million places, but he you, you actually can catch him hosting NFL Live because that's what he's got to go run and do. Field Bud, thank you so much for joining the show. Mina, you are the best. I love doing this. And I got to be honest with you, I sweated a bit in coming into this process being like, <laughs> there's going to be a player that I'm 10 slots higher or lower than Mina on. I feel like our biggest gap was like four players. So yeah. we're seeing things the same way. And if my mind is operating anywhere close to your mind, I feel good about my assessments. Appreciate that, bud. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Mina show today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Mina show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. And now it's time for dinks and dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? All right, guys. So field had to run, but we will still do dinks and dunks. As always, four questions for, well, actually, it's not as always, because usually four questions for my guests. This time, four questions uh, from producer Dan to me, and then one question from Lenny, somehow via producer Dan, back to me. Dan, are you ready? I'm ready. And Mina, of course, Lenny sends me those questions uh, on the show email that apparently you're not reading. So if you just pull that up, that's where his questions are. I'm never going to read them. All right. But question one, Eagle signed James Bradbury to a one-year deal worth about $7 million guaranteed. So he stays in the division. What kind of impact do you think he has in Philly? I think he 
certifies what was already the case, which is that the Eagles have the best roster in the NFC East. And it's, um, I would say, you know, are rightfully the favorites to win the division at this point. Um, that was probably the biggest hole left, you know, who's going to play corner opposite Darius Slay. Um, Bradbury can still play at a high level. I like him in that, in Jonathan Gannon's defensive scheme. Um, you know what I found interesting about this contract though, it's a one-year deal. And like, we've talked a lot about the Eagles trying to both win now, but then also win in the future, have draft capital in the future. And this is interesting to me because it really speaks to their belief and their ability to win now with Jalen Hurts. And I think that's really interesting from a team building perspective. We'll keep it with cornerbacks here. A lot of cornerback news recently. Jair Alexander got a big extension from the Packers, four years, $84 million. How should Packers fans feel about this with, you know, they wanted to pay Devontae, but he went to the Raiders, but they keep Jair Alexander. How are, how are Packers fans feeling about this? Great. No brainer. Jair Alexander, one of the best cover corners in the NFL, um, has really improved a lot. I think actually since his college days, uh, when he was like, he was a real playmaker. He actually hasn't had that many interceptions since coming to the league, but he's gotten better and better in coverage scheme agnostic. Um, just so disruptive and athletic. He's a true shutdown guy. And yeah, he, like this Packers defense suddenly looks like one of the five best in the NFL. Well, they made a lot of investments on that side of the ball, uh, which I thought took a big step forward last year. The other thing I would say about this deal is I don't have the um, exact details in front of me, but um, what it should do is reduce his cap hit for this season because he was on um, – his fifth-year contract by a bit. So I'll be curious to see if they make any other moves around the margins. Question three, and I'm going to pin you down here. I need one name. Who is your favorite ESPN colleague to work with? I feel like you've asked me this before. Uh, okay, my cha- my answer changes all the time. I've said Foxworth in the past. I've said Michael Jr. He's no longer at ESPN. Um, so I'm going to – and the field yes was just on the pause. I feel like I don't need to pander to field – um, and of course, friends. It's not a matter of pandering, Mina. It's it's who's your favorite. That's all it is. I'm gonna go with Laura Relich because she's the ultimate colleague because she does all the work for everyone else, and we just get to go along for the ride. Fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all right. Question four. We do this one a lot. Normally, when we can't think of something else to ask somebody, give us a content recommendation. What have you been reading, watching, listening to? Give us something good. It's not. We can't think of anyone else. I just like. I feel oh, like it is. It is. Want it something is. other than football. Okay, so I've been reading a lot of fiction lately, oddly, and um, I'll give you two. I just finished *The Candy House* by Jennifer Egan. Oh, so okay. It's excellent. People who have read uh, the *Visit from the Goon Squad*. *Visit from the Goon Squad*. One of yeah, my favorites. So, yeah. Oh, you should definitely read this book. Then there's a lot of yeah. um, structural similarities and kind of bouncing around different characters. It's been an experimental, but the this book really deals with themes of technology, representation, memory on the internet, what's not captured there, what should and shouldn't be. It's a fascinating, like super topical read. And then the other book, I'm only about halfway through this one, but and I'm very late to it, but All the Light We Cannot See by Anthony Doerr uh, came out like in 2015. Fantastic. I've read it. You've read yep. that too? Dang, Dan, mm-hmm. I know you're so well read. Yeah. Big reader. Harder now though with the, with the one-year-old daughter, but <laughs> well, um, yeah, just to sell this to people, it's um, World War II takes place uh, mostly in France. Um, it's kind of tracing the past of two a, a French girl and a German boy, and the the girl is blind. The boy's like a and well, 
I'm doing such a bad job of summarizing this. I, I don't, um, it's just, it's outstanding. Go read it. Like, I don't even know, like, yeah, set in World War II in France, in a town. It's awesome. Check it out. It's, it's beautifully written, but also really, like, you're going to keep reading it. You know what I mean? It's like, damn, I want to find yeah. out what happens next. So his prose is just, like, gorgeous. There's just, like, I find myself highlighting lines because they're so beautifully written. But um, it very it's very compulsively readable. So go check that out. Okay, Mina, question five. This one comes from Lenny. Send it to hmm. me on the show email account that you don't read. So I don't know. And um, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, Lenny is is your son, but he also has access to your phone. Normally that works the other way around where the parent <laughs> reads the child's phone. But Lenny, for some reason, has access to yours. Okay. It's weird how that happens. But um, he was looking through your podcast feed and um, he noticed that ever since you stopped hosting ESPN Daily, you haven't listened to a single episode yet. That is not true at all. I just listened to an episode this morning, Lenny, um, with the great TJ Quinn talking about uh, U.S. State Department's efforts to get Brittany Griner out of Russia. The lies. Since when is Lenny spreading lies like this? I don't like this turn in the characterization of my dog. Good sell. Go check out the pod. Yes, Mandela. Pablo, love you. 